Welcome, welcome. This is episode number 11 of Behind the Wheels. Um, I am the host. I am DJ Artistic. I am a DJ and a cultural curator based here in Los Angeles, California. I want to introduce you all to my host, Mr. EB. EB, what's good? What's going on, everybody? I am EB. I am a writer, blogger, and content creator based out of Brooklyn, New York, with a love for everything black and blacker. That's all it's about. I mean... We got New York, we got LA together, so we're going to squash all the all the feuds from the last episode, you know, over the doggy style and the ready to die, you know. The, as far as the audience votes, you know what I mean? I feel like it was pretty close, but I mean, yeah. overall, I, you they, know, they, however you want to roll with it, I'm still doggy style all day, but listen, you know, we'll see what happens I'm, today. I'm we'll in see. Brooklyn. I can't be anything but ready to die. I feel it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm not mad at all at that, so... We're going to get into some beat matches later on, of course, as usual. So um, before we get into the, the main parts of the show, the, uh, everything, everybody, everybody is talking about the Grammys. Uh, a couple days ago, we had the Grammy Awards. Um, it was the first virtual Grammy Award. And this is probably the first time in history that we'll say that award shows are looking up to the BET Awards because <laughs> BET Awards set the standard for what's virtual. And it sounds crazy, but I think they did set that standard in a great way. So... As far as the Grammys, did you actually catch the Grammys this time? Yeah, I watched some of it. Um, I, I'm, I will say, not only did BET set the standard, but theirs is still the best virtual award show. Like, yeah. nobody surpassed that yet. I watched some of it. I was happy to see a lot of people like Lettucey and Nas, who both have been in the business yeah. for over 20, almost 30 years now, win their first Grammys. I was happy to see that. Um I saw some of the performances. Uh, it was one I didn't understand. I don't even know who it was. I was just like, I don't, I don't know what that is. Um, wow. But I I liked what I saw. I think music is just evolving. And as much as it pains somebody like me who's like stuck in my musical ways, like I got to keep up. It's just to know what's going on. Yeah, I understand that. I mean, as far as the awards themselves go, I feel like I'm not mad about about what it was. So... Best new artist. I was hyped to see Meg win that. She deserved. She was hyped. She just looked like she was stunned, and <laughs> she got three awards for that. So, you know, I ride for Meg all day. And then, as far as the best hip hop album, there have been people, <laughs> a lot of folks on social media, were saying that Nas got the consolation, and that was really for Illmatic and his whole career. Listen, we said that a which, couple of episodes ago. We said that yeah, we did. if he got it, then that's what it was going to be for. Yeah, I listened to the album like when it came out. It wasn't a bad album, but against some of the other nominees, I don't necessarily think it was a better album. But it's Nas, so he deserved. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I've always said it. The Grammys, I'm never expecting them to pick the actual best album. I mean, of course, we all know Macklemore beat Kendrick. That, that should I, yeah, just show you what the Grammys the are. Best rap, that's yeah. like the best rapper in the world. Macklemore. Yeah. I mean, he... he, he yeah. Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> all right, all right. He, he, he has some bars, but not everybody knows that was just such a, I mean, that, that kind of made them lose credibility, and they've been fighting for it back since then. And, I mean, I would say, so even, like, when Cardi beat Nipsey, I was honestly not shocked or even mad, surprisingly. Obviously, I think Nipsey's album was better, but I realized the Grammys are not just about hip-hop fans, and Cardi had the widest-reaching album that year. She had the most commercial singles, the club singles. I mean, as a DJ, I could play eight songs straight in the club from her. So I understood why she won, and I wasn't surprised. So in this case, like, 
yeah, I love D Smoke's album the most, and most folks like Freddie right, Gibbs' right. album the most. Um, and so I get why they feel that Nas shouldn't have won, but I don't think anybody is really mad because he deserved it just for that legacy. Right. I mean, after you've been in the business for almost 30 years and your debut is still hmm. one of the greatest hip hop albums of all time, like you deserve yeah. a consolation prize. Just give it to him. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. So I wasn't mad about that. I know Weekend was mad <laughs> about not getting nominated. And I mean, look, anybody who knows me knows that the Weekend, like he, I mean, look, he, 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 he is what he is. So I'm not, he I'm is. not a hater. I don't have enough. Like I'm not passionate against him. Like he's the type that if he's performing on TV, I'm not gonna cuss at the TV. But I, I might change it. I might change it to watch an old episode of Fresh Prince or of... Not Fresh Prince. It, it could be Married with Children. I just don't really care that I much. mean, listen, Thursday is... Yeah. I, I call him Thursday. I'm not calling him the weekend. Thursday, Thursday he, he, didn't deserve, he didn't deserve the nomination at all. So for him to be mad, I think yeah. sometimes... Because wasn't he talking about um, discriminatory practices and, you know, the yeah. Grammys was rigged? Yeah, a lot of that is true. But at the same time... If you release a shitty material, then you're gonna get a shitty response <laughs> Thursday. So this is yeah. this is what has happened to him, and for him to tell everybody to <laughs> to uh, boycott or he's boycotting, like people was mad when you were winning. People were boycotting because you were winning. <laughs> like I mean, you, you, honestly, you pulling yeah, at us yeah. on us at this point. Right. Like it's we don't like you, yeah. so now you don't like who's who's nominated this year. It, you know, it's a circle of life. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I feel like I get that it's big in certain lanes and certain circles, but I, I'll even say it's not R&B to me. So whenever people say he's the best R&B <laughs> or even the top five R&B artists since whenever, I'll say this. I'm not even going to say his music is bad, but it's not R&B and whatever it is, the electronic type style is just not for me. So when it comes to him winning awards, it could be somebody making the same exact music as him and he could be the best in that lane. I really wouldn't know. I, I don't care. So it's like, like you said, yeah. it's not R&B. I don't know what it is either, honestly, but it's his lane and he does it. I wouldn't know if he did it well because I don't know anybody else in that lane. So I'll just say it's his yeah. lane. But for him to be upset because he wasn't nominated, it reminds me. Remember when Will didn't win or wasn't nominated for concussion and Jada was like, yeah. everybody, Jada. everybody boycott the Oscars. And we was like concussion. <laughs> Like really? <laughs> yeah, like, like for on. that one. Not not for like, for Denzel. Come and Malcolm on, X like you mad at con like, for a concussion? Yeah. That's what it reminds me of. Like you, it's it just comes off as you yeah. really mad, you bitter because you weren't nominated and you thought that this was your best work when it was shitty work. That's how I feel about it. So I mean, um, that's that's all I gotta say about about you say Thursday. I call him Wednesday. <laughs> he he's he not good enough to be Taco Tuesday. <laughs> right. but you know, I mean. To me, he sounds like a neutered Michael Jackson. Uh, so I see, mean, I don't that's, even. That's just uh, what it is. I mean, so so the last thing I say about the uh, Grammy. So I'm gonna ask you because I've read some yeah. of your comments. So look, this is this is our podcast. You know, you can speak, speak whatever you want to about it. How you feel about Silk Sonic? About Anderson Pack? I don't know those Mars? people. I don't How know what that is. I don't know who they. No, you listen, don't know. You don't I even, think you don't even. Know. I think okay. it's a good song. I think first of all, Anderson mm. is. I think otherworldly, like he is one of the most yeah. amazing modern day musicians that we have. And you can tell by listening to his music that he studies like past, present, and he's looking to see where music is going for the future. You can really tell. 
y'all know I don't fuck with Bruno Mars. I mean, hmm. Bruno is like a novelty act to me. Like he, he, you know, he wear a little costume. You know, he he knew Jack Swing this week. This week he trying to give seventies. You know, next week he might be doing like soft rock and you know he might want to pump out a country album he might want to pull a Kanye and go gospel who knows like he just he's going wherever the crowd is going even the performance on the Grammys it was like yeah we get it y'all it's a 70s throwback sound but like you know and maybe part of this is because it was virtual that they have to make it look like you know these videos but it's like all right it's really gimmicky at this point. So anything, anytime he attaches himself to anything, I'm going to think gimmicky. But I understand that because he is one of the biggest musicians in the world at this point, that it will take him uh, doing a project like Silk Sonic with Anderson with the 70s sound for the industry to kind of change up in a bit and model themselves after that. Not necessarily 70s, but they'll get back to a more organic sound. They'll experiment with live instrumentation because it always takes somebody who's highly visible doing it before the rest of the industry follows and then that becomes like that becomes you know what the standard is at this point so i do applaud him for that but i still just have issues with that song i love it but i hate it it's like i i can appreciate the good in it but i can't help but hear all of the bad in it i mean to me so I definitely have a different take on Bruno. I feel like, so I, I totally understand when people say that he's like the world's best karaoke <laughs> artist. People always say it. They say that he's great and whatever he imitates, he's great at it. But people say, they say he doesn't have his own direct style, sound, image. Like you said, he kind of hops around. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, I feel like, how could I explain it in this case? I think that for one, I'm never mad whenever he does these different sounds because... One thing about him, he does have, because of the way he came in the game as more of a pop-ish artist who already had a retro sound when he first came in, he has a freedom to do it. So we've, we've said it before. I don't think Usher could, could make a make this same song and it would be received the same way. I don't think Chris Brown could do it. And I think if someone who was truly soulful as an Anthony Hamilton or somebody else did it, it might almost have too much of a vintage sound to where it wouldn't sound as modern. Like Bruno has that perfect balance of still keeping it modern. And I would say, I don't think he really follows these trends of going old school because he's been the one to really set. I'm not going to say he set trends, but I mean, I would say like with Finesse, nobody was making the New Jack Swing song three, four years ago. Like a lot of folks were doing 80s stuff. So Tuxedo right, was right, doing buddy. 80s stuff. Chromeo was doing right. 80s stuff. So Katronada and them were doing kind of house-ish type of techno type sounds. So it's like a lot of artists have done throwback sounds, but... Like, Bruno will attack a, a New Jack Swing sound and make that something different. And with this one, it is a straight early 70s throwback. And we've heard even Rafael Sadiq had a whole album where he was going all Motown era. And I feel like whenever Bruno does it, it he, he he's great at doing it because it feels, it feels modern enough to where young folks who didn't grow up in the 70s can have, have that feeling of that song being new. Because for me and you, we grew up hearing 70s, 80s right, right. music. And, like, we realized that that's the best musically that you can get. But I think the, the advantage of, of, of Anderson and Bruno doing this, especially with Bruno, is that they can make these songs and it's like, it's it's our first time hearing, maybe not our first time, but it's not coming for us to hear a brand new song that is with that soulful feel. So it still hits different when it's a brand new song versus when it's something that you heard 
growing up all the time. So it's like I wonder how it's going to react as far as clubs and when it comes to radio. I think that it might break it's through. It's going to break through. I, I don't really think it's going to change things. I don't see Ari Lennox and SZA and them really going soulful because not this soulful, not right, vintage right, right. soulful. They have their own modern soulful style, but I don't see it changing up that trajectory. But I do think it's going to be a great project. I mean, the concert, I'm looking forward to the concert. I mean, that's what everybody is saying the is the concert. Um, I, I just hope yeah. uh, Bruno don't jump on nobody. Uh, I, I want him to do his coke <laughs> behind stage, not on stage. And if he <laughs> has to hit it. a high note, do it like you did it on the BET Awards. Just lip sync it. I feel it. I mean, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. So... We're going to see what happens. We're going to keep our uh, eyes open for that Silk Sonic project. And I think whenever they drop some more songs, I'm looking forward to it. So it's time to get into that rewind section. Speaking of all this old school music. So the rewind section that we do here on Behind the Wheels, we always talk about artists that we feel deserve all the, the love, the respect, the uh, credit in the world. So in this in this episode, who do you want to pick for your um, your artist or group of this uh, week? This week, I'm going with uh, Troop, one of those late 80s uh, through the 90s, actually, uh, yeah. male groups that kind of they, they they took over the charts for a while. They had they had some hits. They did. They had yeah. So there. Troop is actually from Pasadena, California, and it's five guys, and yeah. it's uh, John John. Steve, uh, Reggie, Rodney, and Alan, I think it, it is. They yeah, Alan. Alan. Yeah, Alan. Um, yeah, yeah. They're from Pasadena. Everybody knows them for songs like Sweet November and Spread My Wings. And, of course, everybody knows they remake the Jackson remake. 5. All hey, I do is you already know you. it. Like, it was one of those remakes where... It makes you kind of forget sometimes that Michael Jackson and his brothers sang it first because it's just that good. Yeah. But they were also like really big in the early 90s because they were in New Jack City. If anybody's ever seen New Jack City, hmm. they were on the soundtrack. Yeah. They did um, For the Love of Money with Queen Latifah and Levert. And then they also remade Stevie Wonder's uh, Living for the City. But they were actually the group in the movie yeah. singing it. Which was really big back then, you know, back when a movie was coming out and the artists would attach themselves to a project to help it sell and to help the yeah, artist sell yeah. as well. But um, a lot of people don't know is like they, they have talents outside of music. They had a good 10 year run. So from 1987 to 1997, they were releasing albums. They released two or they released an album every other year. So I think they had a total of 10 albums. But one of the members, Steve, he's been like a writer. Like Steve has written hits that people Steve. don't even realize. He wrote Chris Brown's Take You Down. He wrote um, the yeah. Breathe With No Air song with Chris and Jordan Sparks. The B2K Gots To Be, Marcus Houston's Sex With You, Monica's My Everything. He's written for Aretha, Tank, Jennifer Hudson, 3LW, Kiki Wyatt, like it goes on and on. So he's going to be good for life. Sadly, Red, Reggie actually passed away over the weekend. Rest yeah. in peace. He, he just, just passed, passed on that. Sunday, um, which was what made me be like, you know what? Troop has to be my rewind because for the time, they were a really big group um, to be able to cross over and be in movies. But they're not always named when people are like, oh, name some of your favorite groups. I rarely, if ever, hear people say true. People will mention the All I Do Is Think Of You remake. Hmm. 
as you know a great song yeah. but people don't talk about spread my wings which is that's my song people spread don't my wings that's yeah, Chucky listen, Booker come on yeah. people don't talk about like Sweet yeah. November like people don't talk about the group and their vocals because they have vocals and if you go back and watch New Jack City you can see the acapella and everything like they they had the talent but they didn't for some reason they didn't stick around in people's memory as being one of the the bigger or better boy group so i had to go with troop for the rewind this week i definitely i definitely rock with troop i've met steve a couple of times he's, he's one of those if you if you came to la any any big black show he's there <laughs> just backstage chilling or something he's one of those uncles who he popped up at a brunch i did one time so i had to drop spread my wings for him and one thing about troop so i realized um because unsung of course is one of my favorite shows a uh, shout out to p frank williams yeah. and it's where them and maybe Eight, ten other groups that were on there all had the same exact, like, they came in that right before or right at New Jack Swing era, and then right when music changed, 92, 93, they just didn't really keep up. And with them, so I'm not even sure if you're familiar, you ever heard their album that they dropped in the, um, 94 called something, something. A Little Something yeah. Something? So that album, I listened to it maybe two years ago. It dropped in 94, and just the cover of it, you could tell they're just trying so hard to keep up with what 94 was because rap and R&B changed so rapidly between 86 and like 93 yep. is where 86, 87 was still Alexander O'Neill and Anita. It was still kind of grown folk. 88, it was already like, it got young all, all, out, all out of nowhere. Troop came and New Edition grew up, but they're still youthful. Mm-hmm. And then Bobby and them had that youthful type sound and New Jack Swing came in strong, the Keith, the I'll Be Sure. And then after New Jack Swing, it became hip hop soul and with the influence of Chronic and Death Row, uh, R&B got a little bit hood for a quick second. And even how the uh, the bald-headed dude that we don't talk about had songs like the Summer Bunnies and those mm. that he was trying to sound like Dre. So Troop, basically what, what I realized in 94, I mean, plus they were from L.A. Pasadena is basically okay. L.A. And with that, this 94 album, they, they dropped it. They're trying to be like gangster R&B, just like almost like DRS. Sure, yeah. We had... I talked about DRS a couple episodes ago, and just the cover, they had on the, the, the penalty, and they had on the swap meet, crit blue shirt. They had the shades on with no shirt, <laughs> looking like Jodeci mixed with with, uh, with with Daz and Corrupt. And it just didn't mix with, like, if you, if you look at that, and then you hear Spread My Wings with the high-pitched falsettos, right. and all I do, it didn't match. And then the songs on there, one of the main songs is called Poonanny. That's what Ice Cube called <laughs> the precious uh, bedazzled jewel, you know? So it's like the fact that they went that direction, I feel like I get exactly why they did it. Looking back, 94 was like that. It was where they're probably confused. Like, is R&B going to go more where we have to go gangster, we have to go hood, or is it going to go boys to men all for one? And they they're more in that lane. They're, to me, they could have They should have went that lane. That that was like yeah. they could have they could have continued – in the same vein that like boys to men went on and you, mm-hmm. you, you know, might maybe have these big Diane Warren written ballads and, you know, yeah. big, like yeah. you were, you had songs in the new Jack city soundtrack. So like I could see them on the soundtracks sure. for like the, all the romantic comedies of the nineties, you know, that, that nice boy yeah. image, like that should have been them. But since, exactly. you know, times exactly. change and then you kind of scrambling around trying to keep up, trying to figure out, well, do I need to look this way? Do I need to sound this way? Like, what what are they buying now? You kind of lose your own yeah. identity, and then in when that happens, it's like it's over for you. So, I mean, they've continued yeah. to tour, but you could tell by their last two or three albums that it, it, things were just different. It was, yeah, yeah, for sure. So I feel like 
And, and just like you said, a lot of groups in that era, I mean, I, I highlighted High Five a few a few weeks ago and the same type of thing. Yeah. Like, once 92, 93 came and it changed up, like, a lot of groups got left behind and forgotten about. And it was all about Jodeci, Boys to Men, a couple others in that era. But it felt like everything was about them and anybody else got left behind. It, it was almost no B tier. It was like you're either A tier or like C and D tier at that point. I mean, it was, yeah, so it, it wasn't, yeah, it was, you were either hot and you were on top of the world or you was one of them other ones yeah so it happened but i feel like they definitely need way more respect and more, more love because they those albums and those songs that they had are still classic to this day so salute to troop for sure and uh shout out steve so uh, my pick for this week um also from la um miss patrice hey. russian patrice so one thing i guess to make it personal like patrice is one of those who like, cause my dad is involved with music and he, he basically moved to LA in 72 and he, he linked up with Ndugu, George Duke, Patrice before they really took off, took off, took off, especially Legends. with Patrice. So it's where I would be around Patrice as a kid, not understanding who she was exactly. I knew she had forget me nots, but I just didn't realize how much she had until I got older. So it was a case of being in college and always hearing this song on random radio stations called mm-hmm. remind me. And I couldn't find it because back then we didn't have Shazam. Early 2000s, you didn't have Shazam. And you can Google lyrics. You type in Remind Me. And they kept on bringing up Mary J song. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, she kind of did use that. But who's singing this right. other song? It took me until 07, 08 to realize. I might have asked my dad. He's like, that's Patrice. I'm like, oh. And it's like, one thing about Patrice is that if you were there in that era, you know who she is. And she was like basically a legend for that uh, 70s and early 80s. But I feel like a lot of folks in the younger generation don't realize who she is and the way that the conversation goes. Whenever I bring her up, it always goes the same way. If I'm asking somebody who's not a deep music head, it's like, do you know Patrice Russian? If they say no, it's like, so you know Forget-Me-Nots? They might say yeah. If they don't, I'm like, so you know Men in Black? Yeah, of course. So the song that samples. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Then I say, so you know Kurt Franklin sample, haven't you heard? He had that on, um, I think, Declaration, I think it was called. Then it's like, she's all her songs have been sampled. She had... Feel So Real was DJ Quick used for a radio drop, so anybody in L.A. knows that one. I mean, she had, um, she had, oh, yeah, so music. I, I'll say, if you know Music Soul Child, he had Settled For My Love. That was Patrice. One of her best. And it's like, yeah, one of her best. I mean, the whole album that she had back in 82, The Straight From The Heart, to me, is her best yeah. album. Probably her biggest one. She had some smashes on there. She had the Forget Me Nots, and yeah, and I feel like even where's, um, Where There Is Love, like, she had some of these songs that, are not played enough to me. I feel like Remind Me is a song that you don't hear as much as you hear maybe Shaka Khan, Sweet Thing, and even the Anita songs in that early, mid-80s. But her songs are all timeless to me. And she's a, beyond just being an artist, she's one of the best musicians. I might say she's one of the greatest female uh, musicians ever. Because (laughs) she's the first female to to, uh, direct the music for the Grammys. And she did that three straight Mm -hmm. years. And the music on, on Steve Harvey, that's her. On a lot of uh, a lot of black award shows, she directed that music. So, I think she just needs to be respected a lot more. Period. When it comes to just being the producer, composer, and on top of that, she's the uh, director of popular music at USC. Yeah, I mean, Patrice is one of those who has since the very beginning of her career. I think she's working with George Duke for a while. Like you can hear her yeah. influence, and like, did you you know the Prince story? Yeah, the Prince like, story. Yeah, Prince wrote that. That uh, uh, his first single, I Want to Be a Lover, was about, about Patrice. Patrice. And she That's turned insane. Prince down. That's insane. She turned, she was like, no, we can work <laughs> together, but you just not, it ain't, it ain't going to happen. 
She like, like only I'm wearing high right. heels around here. <laughs> one it. set of I heels in it. this bedroom. Yeah, no, <laughs> Patrice is yeah. absolutely one of the greatest writers, composers, and producers that we have had. I think the fact that she is a woman, sometimes people like leave her out of those conversations as being one of the greats. But yeah. her work has been very consistent, like from her first album up until now, even touring or producing for award shows or television shows like she doesn't quit. She doesn't stop. And then she got she still got her signature micro braids. You know, she took the she oh, took she the beads them. out. She, she took the beads as they was making too much noise yeah. in the in the recording booth. But she's still rocking. Yeah. <laughs> she's still rocking the micro braids. And I will salute anybody who rocks mm-hmm. micro braids for 40 years. Like you are a legend. All day. She's still sitting down waiting for it to get ready Listen, for eight hours and probably playing co- piano as she's getting even ready. Even Brandy took Coming her braids out. Like, you know, if Brandy took her braids yeah. out, it's time to let it go, Patrice. But you're a legend, so <laughs> I'll let you ride with that. Rock them as long as you got to. So <laughs> much love to, to Miss Patrice Rushing all day. And the next segment that we have is the uh, inverse of that. We have the fast forward segment. So we're going to bring to you some artists who are making some big waves right now. They might be on the rise. They might have gotten some commercial acclaim but we feel like they have a long way to go and they have far from reached their peak so for this episode's fast forward who is your pick i'm going across the atlantic ocean again uh oh listen it. It, it's something about the uk like they get soul music so right sometimes that i'm always caught off guard like yeah. how in the hell do you do that um it's a young True. cat out of london south london his name is james vickery he's actually signed to rock nation yeah. I think I came across his music on Spotify and the first thing that I came across, I was like, okay, you know, this is cool. Let me, you know, let me start. I'll come back to it. And they played another song and I was like, oh, I really like this. Who is it? Same guy. And then live performances started playing. So he has some EPs on Spotify, but then he also has some live performances on there as well. And I'm like, oh, so he sounds like he does on the record. Like live, he actually sounds like uh... that. People, yeah, it's big, and people think I'd be tripping, but it's it's kind of rare that people, even some of my favorite singers, do not sound the way that they sound on record. Not saying they sound bad. I don't want nobody to sure. come after me, but they don't sound like the record. He sounds like the record, sure, and sure. the more I was like looking up, looking up who he is and everything, I found out he was actually born deaf in one of his ears. So, oh wow, he, he's wow. on stage, white dude, like a young white dude, deaf in one ear, and. He's singing. It's like, it's almost like a music soul child. Um, the tone of his voice, I get a lot of music. But okay, it, okay. like the vibe is like if D'Angelo just decided to re- to release like sixteen of Voodoo, like sixteen albums. Like it's that's that's what he sounds <laughs> like. He sounds like like wow. he studied that type of vibe. Like that's what he wanted. But his vocal vocal tone is a lot of music soul child. I, I'm cautious. I don't I don't know if Rock Nation is the right choice. I haven't really seen what they do and uh, how they can cultivate their R and B acts um to go far. So I'm a little I'm just like a little worried about that. Like, mm, like should you be on Rock Nation? But it will be great exposure for him and I hope that he catches the ear yeah. of like the American audiences because a lot of people don't they they've not heard of this guy yet. And I'm trying to figure out my first when time. I heard him, yeah. I was trying to figure out how I hadn't heard of him. I was like, well, he's doing and he's been wow. he's been actually working for a while. It's been a couple of years. So James Vickery, South London. If you like music, soul child, you like D'Angelo, London. like he 
listen, it, he makes uh he makes baby making music for uh Gen Xers who might be experiencing Gen Z dating lives. That's what he does. <laughs> that's, oh, wow. Wow. that's him. That's a description for but, you hey, right there because it's a difference. It's a, it's difference. a difference. So you so. gotta you gotta break yeah. it down. That's what he does. I get that. Uh, as far as what you were saying about Rock Nation, that might be a different topic for a different day. But I'm still trying to understand how they work because it it seems like are they just more of a distributor where you kind of are your own artist development or you have your own team as mm. your development and they. Whatever you package up, they ship out. If, it feels that way because it's a lot of artists. I can with them see right that, now. especially in his case, because when I'm hearing him, I'm thinking I, I don't like from the name Rock Nation. I'm not thinking, you know, this is what you know. That's like when Tina Marie got with Cash Money. It's like Cash Money. Wait, that oh, don't make God. sense. Like how do, how that work? But yeah. it it could be yeah. that they're just distributing his product, and he's you know his own creative director. He's doing his own producing, his own yeah. arranging, and. It, that could be very well be the case. That's how it sounds now. I'll say when we finish this, go to their website and just look at the artists. They have a good 200. And I'm like, okay, so this is mm. not just a regular label that has 15 to 20 artists right. to focus on. So so I'm, I'm curious about that. So I actually have to check out James. I haven't even heard of him before. Man. So thanks for uh, putting me on with that one. So I'm going to check him out for sure. My pick for this week is YBN Corday. Actually, it's just Corday now, so I'm just going to say Corday. He cut the YBN from his name. So Corday is a young rapper, um, basically from Maryland, and he came from a, a clique called YBN. Um, I would say the initial star from that group was Namir. He had a song, I think, called Bounce Out with that. It was a, a banger for the club, and he was from, like, Alabama, but it had kind of a Bay Area sound to it in a way. But Corday was the one who a lot of folks probably ignored him initially, which is why he, he, he removed that from his name because – they had a mixtape a couple years ago as far as the YBN collective, and they, they're a dope young collective. They just make a lot of more of the young type of, I'm not even going to just say trap, but just more of the young energy type music that appeals to that Gen Z, I would say. But Corday is a spitter. He is a rapper, lyricist. I would say his easiest direct comparison is definitely J. Cole. You can tell that he grew up. It sounds funny. I just, I just realized it. He grew up to, uh, to J. Cole. I'm like, somebody grew yeah, up to J. Cole and he's my age. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, we're at that age now where, yeah, he was probably 12 when J. Cole came out, so it makes sense. So he he's a J. Cole disciple, but also you hear some Kendrick, some Nas in them too. But he only has that one album. That one album he has ended up being uh, Grammy-nominated because it was just that dope of an album. I was a fan of it way before he got the nomination. It's called The Lost Boy. And it's just one of those albums that's just the way that, that it flows. It's an actual story, and... He has features from everybody, from Meek to Ty Dolla Sign to Chance. He has a dope song with Chance on there um, called Bad Idea. Has the same sample that uh, Scarface used for um, for My Block. So it has a real mm. kind of churchy feel to it. But I would say Corday is the type that whatever beats you throw at him, he's, he's rapping to it. So he has a couple songs that are more on the trap tempo, but he's speaking to those. And one of my favorite songs of that year, 2019, um, probably still one of my favorite songs is with him and Anderson Pack. He has a song called RNP on there. And that song is just straight hip-hop. It feels like back when Most Def and Talib were going back back and forth on the track. It's like they switching off two bars, sometimes one bar on the song. And Anderson, of course, kills the hook. And whenever they perform it, it's one of my favorite performances, seeing them on, I think, Jimmy Fallon. Because just that chemistry for them to be 10, 12 years apart. And that's their only song together. But you would have thought that they were a collective duo because it's the chemistry was on point. And I think Corday has potential to be... A force in this in this game because he 
he's the type you can tell he studied he studied the past. He's not one of those who's coming out. A lot of times it's cool to come out and, and diss the past. Like a lot of young rappers come out like that's old school. Nineties, two thousands is old school. That's trash. But he he has a handle on knowing how to appeal to us old heads. I would say who like the Nas and the J Cole and the Kendrick and the Jay Z and the and whoever it is. But because he's young, he still appeals to to the youth when it comes to just what he's talking about and. He he has heartfelt songs. He has a song on his album called uh, "Family Matters," and he's just talking about his aunties. And it, it sounds almost like who wants to hear about somebody else's aunties? <laughs> but you hear it, and it's like he's talking about my aunties too. Like it's so relatable that I can rock with it. So yeah, it's, it's one of those type deals that he he's my favorite young rapper out there. I would say. So yeah, I mean, you said he's from Maryland, so I definitely have to look him up because I'm yeah. curious about which part because I do think there's yeah. PG, uh, I think. I think he's, I think I he's mean, PG. Come on, it's the blackest county in the United States. I think it there's is, though, something about Salute. like that part of the country where you get that influence because you're right there by Philly and Baltimore and New York, and mm. then you got Atlanta just below and Virginia like right across the yeah. water. But then you also picking it's up true. everything from the West Coast. You're picking up the Midwest sound. And I think I know for a lot of people I know, a lot of artists I know who are from Maryland that they have this chameleon-like ability where you can they throw do. whatever it is you have at them. Like, you can, whatever the BPM is, like, whatever the style, and they just kind of fit it's right true. in. And I'm I'm it's like, true. okay, that that's how I had to rationalize it to myself. It's like, oh, okay, it's because it's Maryland, and, it's, you know, it's right there. Like, you, you're getting all these influences. Hmm. Um, I'm glad that he dropped the YBN from his name because, I yeah. mean, that – would have yeah. stopped people from noticing who he is because I think when a lot of people have the same name, like all the hmm. everybody with Lil and A$AP, the ASAPs, like man. I can't tell any yeah, of them apart. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie, like I I can't <laughs> I tell it. any of them yeah. apart. So and I and it's not that they look alike. Well, maybe they do or sound alike. They definitely do, but it's because <laughs> you got yeah. the same name and you know my old ass eyes. Are just like oh they they go that boy again like that's all yeah it's the same one I I won't even give it a chance because if I heard something that was crap from one ASAP then if I see ASAP the next time I'm just gonna hit skip because I'm like oh I don't heard this but it it might be something hot but you you know y'all got the same name so shout out to Cordae for being smart enough to do it earlier in his career as well because a lot of people aren't and a lot of people still holding on to Lil and they name who ain't been Lil since 1992 20, so yeah. you know yeah. shout out to him for changing it because i that kind of thing matters as an artist especially as a rapper because you want to stand out it does like you yeah. have to stand out it does especially for his especially for his lane because i feel like he he doesn't have that typical lane like a lot of mm-hmm. them so to me if i could predict his career it is going to be more on the cold level maybe not as big as cold but it's more so he's, he's never going to be the hottest he's never going to be the trendiest he's never going to make club songs that are like that's the biggest song in the club, but his songs might be dope enough to get club play mm-hmm. because, I mean, I was playing certain uh, Cole and Kendrick songs that were not necessarily club tracks, but if they have fans. So if their fans are out at a bar or something and they hear it, they're going right. to ride to it. Even Big Crit, kind of a similar thing. And like you said about him being from Maryland, I, I agree. I feel like Maryland, D.C., especially with – I mean, because D.C. was always go-go, so they, they didn't really have that many rappers who were big until Wale. And then they had a couple since then, the Fat mm-hmm. Trails and all them, and – even Gold Link, but and they all sound different too. They all sound totally different because DC and that PG area is like they like a little bit of everything. Like in the '90s, 2000s, they were more so into the East yep. Coast music, but recently it's been more of the South. So 
it's like they've been able to adapt more. So, yeah, I would say salute to Corday and everybody who's out there. If you haven't heard Corday's album, The Lost Boy, you got to check that out because it's, it's a very solid, solid good album that deserved that nomination. So uh, at this time, we're going to go ahead and take a break. When we get back, we're going to have um, two, of, uh, two of our most um, infamous segments. We're going to have The Drop. We're going to be talking about something that we all love and miss so much. Hey. And we're going to have um, our most, most um, infamous and controversial segment, I would say, is Beat Match, where we take two artists, producers, albums, decades, whatever, and debate those and see who comes on top. I'm not sure what the score is for the last 10 episodes, but we're going to... I feel like I'm in know, the lead, either probably. Way. You know, I don't, I'm not... Not that I'm keeping up, so but it's written down right here. I'm still in the lead. All right. However <laughs> you want to play it. Uh, yeah. I think I might have to run with this one. But yeah, so we're going to have those coming up. And just to let you all know, we do have a playlist. So all the artists that we've mentioned so far, we do have the Behind the Wheels playlist that basically has a couple songs from all these artists that we've mentioned. So if you want to hear some James Vickery, some YBN Corday, Troop, Patrice Russian, maybe even some Silk Sonic on there, you know, just to get into that vibe and leave that door open, you know, you might have yeah. to. So at this time, we're going to take a break. We'll see you all in a minute. Welcome, welcome back. This is Behind the Wheels. So we have returned from our intermission. Once again, I am DJ Artistic, and I have my co-host, EB. So at this time, um, it's time for one of my favorite segments. It's called The Drop. So for this this episode, we're going to talk about something that a lot of us have been talking about a lot recently, especially if we grew up on 90s and 2000s music. The art of the remix. I mean, the remix is one of the things that Going back to the early 90s, I would say, even the 80s, but especially those early 90s, the remix was just like a new level to whatever song you already liked. It's where a lot of songs came out. It, it was two different types of remixes that we commonly heard, maybe even three. It was a case of we had those remixes where we bought the album, we had a song that was cool, we liked it. Then the single comes out and it's a whole different song and it's like it's a different beat, different verses. Mm -hmm. Then we had the remixes where it was a single that was already big, and then next thing you know, they change the beat up and they bring in other artists. Or they might keep the same beat, but they bring in new artists on there. And overall, the remix is something that a lot of us um, loved so much back in the 90s. And in the last 5, 10 years, remixes obviously still exist, but they've changed in nature. And overall, we're going to get into that, just about why they've changed, how they've changed, what our favorite remixes are, and of course... Um, Y'all can hit us with the hashtag behind the wheels pod and let us know what your favorite remixes are if we don't mention them. But so before we get get all the way into it, so so EB, so when it comes to remixes, um, I'll, I'll ask you this 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 first question: mm. Did Puff Daddy invent the remix? Because there is an album that Diddy <laughs> dropped back in the two thousands called "I Invented the Remix," and right. then I remember some articles came out basically showing that initially the word remix does not mean what we use it for. Of course, remix was a literal remix where they took a song. Now we might call it remastering. They might have increased the drum levels. Mm -hmm. They might have added some instruments to it or, you know, improved the instrumentation. But overall, it was more so about the actual mix. But by the time we got to hip hop, we, we basically changed the whole terminology of what remix meant. So knowing that Diddy was halfway being sarcastic, 
Did he invent the remix to you, or what do you think about that? I think people that worked with him, <laughs> okay, okay, um, they yeah. helped to popularize the remix. Yeah. Um, and I have to say, people that work with him, because, and I want the listeners to actually let us know, like, what song do you know that Puff actually produced himself? <laughs> like, just I just want to know, yeah. if, name five songs that he produced himself, because it's always this. These allegations of, oh, I produced that. Somebody else saying they produced it, and you know he had a team with him. But <laughs> I think yeah. the remix and the music video, uh, I put them like side by side because they both kind of made their appearances in the early 80s, but they didn't really take off and gain like popularity in the way that um, became, you know, defining for a lot of the artists until like the early 90s to mid 90s. I mean, there were people in the 80s doing like great music videos of course i'm not gonna you know hate on mike or prince because you know they are the kings of music videos and madonna was doing some nasty stuff i don't know but <laughs> yeah i think that around the early 90s the remix kind of took off where you saw you started seeing people from different labels doing remixes for other record labels so you would see uh -huh. like so so deaf doing remixes for bad boy or you would see like somebody on i don't know a random record label motown get a bad boy remix and it's yeah. because of the producers that work with them were affiliated with you know these labels i don't think puff invented the remix um i think people like i said people who worked with him <laughs> have yeah. uh made remixes like the standard well they used to be the standard because we will talk about that too cuz remixes have changed but yeah, yeah. it was one of those things where and I'm very curious to know, like, the origins of it, because it seems like for a lot of these producers, they may be wondering or they may be working on a song and maybe you'll have, you know, two instrumentals you, you like and you want to use. But only one gets picked and you're like, oh, we're throwing that one on a remix then. Like, we're going to remix mm. that. Yeah. That I think that he is a master of that. And I, I can say that because I heard a lot of stories of Puff in the studio, you know, with two ideas for somebody, they like one of them and they think the other idea is dead and he coming back, we're like, oh no, it ain't dead. We're going to use this, you know, take that, take that. That's that's where he get that from. Like, take yeah. that, we, take that, we're going to use this. So, Puff didn't invent it, but people that work with Puff definitely, and they definitely popularized it. Like, Bad Boy is, Bad Boy's remixes are kind of top tier. Yeah, I would say so. I feel like so, of course, like, there are remixes in that 89, 90. You had the I'll Be Sure and Slick Rick, the If I'm Not Your Lover. And mm -hmm. a lot of these songs had remixes, even, like, with the guy and them had remixes. I mean, even Remember the Time had, like, eight remixes. If you had the LP, they had a jazz remix. And right. they had what was called a New Jack Swing remix. And I'm like, it's already New Jack Swing. How is it a, <laughs> any, you know? So, Teddy Riley had some remixes. But I feel like the... I could be totally wrong. Somebody can check me, correct me on the hashtag if you want to. But to me, the first huge remix that really like made it where, okay, we have to have a remix for almost every song was probably when Diddy did that uh, Jodeci Come and Talk to Me remix. Yeah, I feel um, like that was like the initial remix that really like started the trend of, okay, if you have a hit song, we have to remix it. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the biggest, re like after that, you saw people like Mary J and SWV actually yeah. dedicate entire albums to just their remixes. And I'm not saying that this is like the original remix, but 
for anybody who's a New York head, you will remember that Stephanie Mills impeached the president something <laughs> in the way you make me feel. Wow. Like when that dropped, it, you know, it was Stephanie, but it, it had the impeached the president beat behind it. When yeah. that dropped, it was like, oh, this is a, like a different way of looking at a song we already love. And now we just bring in the hip hop element. I think that may have inspired yeah. lots of producers to be like, you know what? You want to something there. Let's go ahead hmm. and like yeah, we can have the original song, but let's incorporate more hip hop into it because that is what was selling. Like it started selling That's right true. around That's that true. time. Let's put more hip hop into it and let's blend it all together. I think a lot of people like sell their remixes artists yeah. not just the producers and i yeah. think that there were some people who they just couldn't get it right like it just wasn't for them and i think it ties back and we were talking about earlier with troop like a case of you know music changing and maybe you're trying too hard to keep up yeah you're trying to keep yeah. up like everything don't need a remix like it just not at all don't need a yeah. remix i agree with that and i feel like it got to um so it got to a point where like mid 90s it was where the remix would be so much different. So, of course, uh, we had we had our battle last week with um, Ready to Die and Doggy Style. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I, I know you were, probably, you were probably ready to fight me when I said that One More Chance didn't count. But it's like, but without even getting into that, it was a case of if you bought that album that first day, One More Chance was a different beat, different mm -hmm. lyrics, different everything. So then when that single came out, you were probably confused. And then then people who bought the album because of that were probably like, wait, I bought the album. It's not even on there. And on the the same thing happened in the in the opposite way for I know Dr. what you're about to say. What? What? Oh, well, you about to say Dr. Dre? As far and as what? Erica Badu, Bag Lady. So I'm not even I, I wasn't even getting there yet. I wasn't oh. even gonna get there yet. I was gonna mention Dre though. So okay. We we could talk about that too though. So, yeah. so okay, so before I even get to that, so the the opposite happened of one more chance when it comes to California Love. So California Love with Tupac, the single came out before the album. The single was the, the one we all know. Da, 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 yeah, da. yeah. You buy the album, it only has the remix. See, it's only the I, one I with, be, with the. I um, don't be buying the West Coast albums. I ain't even know that. You be had, yeah, yeah, you, you need to, <laughs> but, but no, seriously, it's like, and, and that that threw people off because you heard the single mm. first, and then you buy the album, and then they have the remix. And if you ask people out here, we're so tired of the original that we might prefer the, the remix anyway. Mm -hmm. So we're not mad, but it's still weird that the biggest song, one of the biggest songs of that whole decade, basically, you buy the album and it's not there. You have to buy the single for it. So it started to get confusing. So, I mean, the brat, of course, give it to you. Like, I didn't realize that either. I heard mm -hmm. the single for Give It To You, which came out a year after Funkify had been out. So, I mean, that remix was just so fire. And I see it says remix, but I'm like, okay, whatever that means. I buy the album and I'm like, oh, no, this is not the same song. And this song is very six and a half out of ten. And the same with LL Cool J lounging, like lounging remix is the oh, one that we do on the single. Cause on yeah, the album, it's not the same. It's so trash on the album, sorry LL. Yeah, so it's like so that that happened a whole lot. So to get into what you mentioned, the ones that are unofficial remixes that are more so usually in a mixtape form, but the whole thing with Erica and Dre, that's one of the most they never really spoke about that. But yeah, for people who who aren't aware, of course. Uh, Dr. Dre dropped uh, 2001. He had a song called Explosive. Mm -hmm. Initially, it was called The Way I Be Pimping. The original song was actually Dre and Verse to Five Nine, but then they dropped the one with Corrupt, Nate Dogg, 6'2", six six I think, 6'2", whatever. And then Erica Badu took that beat a year later, and her producer basically just took the exact same beat. He chopped it up a little bit, but 
he didn't really I don't think anything is replayed. I think it's the exact same beat. They might have EQ'd it differently. Yeah. And I think it's the so, exact same. Yeah. So I'm sure you would say that that song is better than the Dr. Dre one. <laughs> Which back lady? Yeah. Better than explosive? Yeah. You think so? Uh I can't I not not with the greatest singer of all time, Nate Dogg, being okay, explosive. Okay. I refuse all right. to believe all right, I, good, good. You know what? I, I'm not, I, I know you love Mama's great. Gun. I yeah. love Mama's Gun. I was yeah. about to tell Erica, you owe me thirteen ninety five because the version on the radio was That's not true. On the it's album. different. That but, is true. That's but true. The yeah. version on the album was actually so good that I forgot all about that. Yeah. I don't think that um I don't know. I, I don't think I can say that Erica's is better than Dre's. Just because, like, Explosive is just yeah, one of they, those, they it just don't quit. Like, yeah. Corrupt's verse on there. It's the like, most misogynistic, it, ignorant, it out-of-pocket, derogatory, so every catchy, time. amazing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like you feel so bad, but yeah. it's so good. So yeah. I can't say it's better. I will say Erica did a great job. And, and of course, she had the video. And, and that actually, I think, helped sell Mama's Gun. That's another discussion. But... Yeah. Yeah, the remix kind of a lot of people during that time were taking these um like you said and it was almost like a mixtape form. They were taking yeah. stuff that already happened or songs that were already big and they were kind of using them as like heater tracks. Like I think about Repurpose, the way um yeah. uh, the way Beyoncé and Mary um both used 50 Cent in the club. In the club, yeah. You, like, Mary did too, huh? Yeah, she for hooked and that was like that was the big oh, song wow. that Puff that Puffy produced. Uh, that was the big song, and everybody was like, "Oh, that song is so hot!" And it wasn't on the album. It was like, "No, this is just this is just for the summer. This is just for y'all to dance to." Because, mm. I mean, in the club was so big that oh, everybody just had to like in the club just did, it didn't quit. Yeah, I mean, in, in the club was the biggest song. I, I was I was still said the biggest song of that whole decade from 2009. So yeah. so so moving, we're basically doing a little timeline. We're kind of going from early 90s all, all the way up and getting to the point of where we are now. So. I'll ask you because I've tried to find official articles, but I've heard a lot of people say that the reason that basically we don't hear any remixes with a new beat anymore is because of Miss J-Lo. And what I've heard, I'm not sure if you heard this before. They've said that. all the beats? So not that. I mean, probably that too. Yeah. But, uh, so what I've heard basically is that, um, and I've read it from several people who are credible. They said that it's not necessarily her fault, but, I guess she remixed the song and it was a whole different beat and it, it was where the, it, the song became maybe number one or top 10, whatever. But I don't know why at that moment it happened, but Billboard changed the criteria for a song where initially, say if you have a, the original song and a remix, they count together. So that basically the streams or the, the, the plays, the downloads, the sales from both, both songs count together. Like but, as one. As one. But they said because of whatever happened with this J-Lo song or for whatever reason, they changed the whole formula to where now if you do a remix with a different beat, it doesn't count. It's not going to help to make that, that song uh, higher. And, and to go into the streaming, to the streaming era, if you think about it, the last 16, 15 years or so, I can't really name that many remixes that aren't SoundCloud edits that have a different beat. And going back to, I'm thinking, 05, 06, 07, Whenever you hear a remix now, it's the same exact beat. You don't hear anything with a different beat anymore. And it's like, I do want to verify that it was because of this J-Lo story. But when you think about it, going back to what I would say is one of my, my last favorite classic remixes was Shorty Lowe. They know. When he had the Gucci Mane. Not Gucci, I'm tripping. But Jeezy and uh, and Ludacris. 
Mm-hmm. I'm in my cool whip, Inside Jello. Like, even like how D4L had the Geeked Up remix with Jeezy. And like going back to that late 2000s and then all the way up to now, like my favorite recent remix has to be Savage with, um, of course, with like with Beyonce on top of uh, Meg. But if you think about all these remixes since like 07, 08, they're all the same exact beat. And that's one thing that we love so much about the 90s is, is that they did have different beats, as we were just saying. So, mm. See, I never knew the, the, the piece about the billboard piece about the remix and the original mm. all being you know it counts as one yeah. um which now makes me look at a lot of the 90s songs a little differently because i'm like your song probably didn't, wasn't even selling all that much because people yeah. was probably rocking with the remix more than they were the album version for sure um, for sure do you remember what j-lo song that was i'm gonna, I'm gonna look it up i'm gonna look it up and all see because right. I, I really I, cannot yeah I, it's crazy i didn't i've never thought about that um but especially in the day of streaming it makes yeah. total sense why that would be um, because everybody's trying to, you know, everybody wants the number one spot on the chart or to be as high up as possible. And if a remix can help that, then great. But if the remix is not really helping that, then I guess they just moving on to the next project. So we get in the same song and now the remix is just a rapper added or mm-hmm. maybe even a, another singer added, just another yeah. verse or somebody else doing the hook. That's all it is now. And I feel like, one thing that I'll say, too, is that, of course, we're going to complain about everything because, you know, we grew up in the 90s when we did. But it's like <laughs> one thing that I will say for sure is that I hate what I call algorithmic remixes. So that's the era of now, because even in the 90s, it's like whether it was the same beat or not. Like, of course, Ladies Night, which was the, uh, the uh, what was it called? Not Tonight remix from Lil' Kim. Right, that's right. a different beat. But she had all female rappers, Ladies Night. It, it fit the mm-hmm. theme of Not Tonight. Then you had Heartbreaker remix where it's, it's uh, Missy, and you have you have uh, Brad on there with Mariah, but it got to a point now when like when City Girls and and them have remixes like Sweetie. So Sweetie has Tap In, and you would think okay for anything with Sweetie Tap In, well, she should get you know Doja Cat or Meg or somebody, but she gets Jack Harlow and the Baby yeah. and Post Malone, and they're doing that because they say when it comes to these algorithms, it's all about. Say if you're a Jack Harlow fan, you type his name into title or to whatever, and his newest song is, oh, tap in remix. Let me listen to it. So now it's all about doing whatever you can do to get streams. It's not about making the best song. And that's what I don't like. And it's like, of course, because of it's all about streams, it's all about those numbers. I get why it's done, but it's taken away from the music because if it's City Girl remix, it should be nothing but the female rappers on there. Or, or, or if it's guys, at least talk back to them and make it fun, but don't just pick somebody... Like, why is Jack Carlo and Post Malone on Tap In Remix? Like, it does, they're not even from the Bay. If they're from the Bay, even if it's G Easy, I'll give yeah. G Easy more of a shot over it. So, yeah, that's an interesting point. I think, uh, going back to like the Ladies' Night thing, because I think one of the biggest missed opportunities that we had for a huge remix actually came from Beyonce when she dropped Diva. I Ooh, thought that diva, there should have yeah. been a diva remix with Ooh. all of the women. Missy like, killing that. And- listen, everybody would have been Ooh. like, you would have had Missy, you would have had Kim, you would have had Trina. Like, you would have yeah. had, like, all these divas. And actually, it would have been great for her to put some female rappers from Houston on. Like, yeah. you know, let's let's At get some more people in the game. I think that was, like, a huge missed opportunity. I think there have been a couple missed opportunities for remixes. It's like, 
Hmm. Why didn't you do that before? That didn't make sense. I think yeah. the last one that was actually perfect and it worked out in their favor. I mean, we talked about it at the beginning is the Bruno Mars and Cardi B. It was yeah, like, that was a that, great one. Yeah, finesse. That was yeah. perfect. It was yeah. perfect for Cardi and it was perfect for Bruno. And I guess that's why because it could make it made money. So yeah. nobody's going out and doing like I'm. I don't even remember the last. The last, what was the last real remix that was a remix, like with the a different, different beat. everything? I'm trying to think now, so I have to think back to, I'm thinking real quick, early mid 2000s, even 2000, one was Welcome to Atlanta remix, which was perfect. It had Snoop, it had um, Diddy and all of them, but that was the same beat. I'm thinking in that, right. okay, Faith Burning Up, was that a different beat? No, it was a different beat. It was a different yeah. beat. Yeah, yeah cause then they, beat. that's when they brought in the sample. So yeah, that, yeah. that would probably, and that was 2001. Yeah, so, that's. Oh, yeah, that's way back. So it, that is 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's a couple, like, but it's, it's something that weren't as big. Like, Snoop did have a Drop It Like It's Hot remix with uh, Jay-Z and Pharrell, but mm. that wasn't that big. But that was a whole different beat. It's been a couple in there, but overall it hasn't been that many actual remixes. Like, oh, you get you get the SoundCloud remixes. You get the K Tronada remixes and the edits now. But as far as from the artist himself, it hasn't been as many. So let me so, ask you this. Yeah. And I know this is, I know for a music head like you, this is hard. Hmm. Yeah. Top five remixes of all time. Off the top of my head, Off I'm going to say, I already mentioned the Brad Give It To You. I'm going to say um, One More Chance remix has to be in there. I'm going to say Ladies Night, Not Tonight this has to be in there. I'm going to say Missy Hot Boys. Mm. I'm going to say that. <laughs> and I'm going to say... As I said before, Shorty Low, they ain't no remix because I feel like it added a whole new element to it. So that's just five off the top. I still want to say Come and Talk to right. Me is right there. But, yeah, that's, that's, that's just five off the top that just stand out to me. Okay. Uh, I, I, would say, I would say my favorite change in the tempo from mm-hmm. going from a slow song. That's one thing we didn't even mention. Remixes when used to go- also take that slow jam and make it fast, right. make it a party song. So my favorite one of those is Drew Hill's uh, In My Bed because – they made this sad song about getting cheated on, and you caught her in bed, and you crying. But now he's singing. We partying two-stepping, and he talking about uh, you called out his name. So uh, Listen, I got to one-up yeah. you real quick. Jagged let's, Edge, Let's Get Married. Oh, Let's Get Married. Like, that yeah. was a, listen, yeah. the, what, what's, with the yeah. Run DMC, it was yeah. like, we was just about to get married. We was watching Midnight Love, and now we <laughs> at the club. We on a cut. Like, what's going on? I remember, yeah. the, like, that's one of those songs. I can tell you the first time I heard it, I was in my bedroom on my old little radio <laughs> alarm clock. I remember hearing it, and I thought I thought it was a DJ blend because on a DJ tip, the original song is 55 BPM, and it's like that. It's 110 BPM. All you got to uh-huh. do is double time it, put those drums behind it, because essentially that's all they did. They didn't re-record the vocals. No, the vocals are, are the exact same. You they just took the, the drums vocals. from that. But, yeah, that... That remix, I didn't know it was a real remix until until Run came in. When he came yeah. in, what's going on? I said, "Oh, this is this is a brand new song this is for a real." Brand new. I yeah, thought it was a, a DJ being creative. No, yeah. it was a brand new song, and but that was yeah. part of the beauty of the remix was because you could bring in other people, not just like your peers, but you could also go back and bring in like they brought in Run DMC. Yeah, just like you know, SWV. You know, they had the the. The right here, yeah, yeah and the they, you, know, you 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 got the Michael Jackson in there. A lot of people have like these remixes where they just don't they just don't do anything for me. Like they they just kind of, mm. they just fall very flat. But yeah. even 
for somebody like Biggie to do one more chance, and then you're introducing like a whole new generation to the barge, barge. right now, like yeah. unintentionally, but that that was part of the beauty. Like at any time, anybody remakes anything, like when Keisha Cole and Missy did uh, "Get It Together," I think it's called. Forget What's the name on? of the song. Okay, okay. The Missy Keisha Cole song is not a remix, but just like they had that James and Tume. Oh, oh you mean let, oh, let it go, let it go. See, I'm t- see black people oh, are let trying go. to put different names. To yeah, the you always name. I'm saying get it together because she was saying get you it together. About, you talking about I don't want your man that song. Right, yeah. that that one. It's like you you <laughs> yeah. had the opportunity to bring back people from yeah, it's true you know who it's may true. not be like on the top of the charts right now not, not saying they're like failures or anything but they just may not be in the public eye or they may not be on the radar but that was something that remixes did one of my yeah. favorites is the meth and mary you're all oh amazing. oh like, oh, that is oh easily easily i mean one of the greatest like <laughs> that and, and to meth have and a mary. video because when you do a remix you got to do a video that's yeah, another thing that doesn't happen now like they don't do the remix in the video but true. the videos were also the best part because then you kind of sometimes you got two videos for one for the original and one for the remix. But sometimes they yeah. only focus on the remix because they knew that the remix is what everybody's listening to anyway. Exactly. And plus, like and mentioning those songs, like even with One More Chance, it's hilarious to me that they remixed the remix. They took the words from they the used to remix. Have so many yeah. remixes. <laughs> yeah, it would be so many that just like it kept going and kept going. So it's like. I'll definitely say that, that I miss that era, and I'm, I'm gonna say it to the artists out there. Like, I understand why you want to make a brand new song instead of you know remixing what you have. I understand the algorithms and everything with streaming, but I miss those remixes. I feel like the same way that some of those songs were not that great on the album, but became classic as a remix. That could probably happen to some modern day songs. It would happen, and I think it, yeah, it would increase like the shelf life of the song because having the remix yeah. there. Like, after you drop the original, say the original's high, it's number one on the charts, time has passed, finesse, time has passed, yeah, and then you a drop year. a remix, it and it's like, year. oh, yeah. this, we forgot about this, like, let's come back to life. I don't think yeah. people do that. You have a king or a queen of the remix? The king, I mean, we've said Diddy. As the queen, I might roll with Missy, because Missy has so many, if you think about even her own lights, camera, action, and she has so many songs that she's... Even how she now had get like one freak on it wasn't get your freak on totally yeah. different, but Nelly Furtado came in and was like, "Hey, pay me," and she was paid. Yeah, yeah. it's like she's she's great for doing that. Even when she had uh, one minute, man, she had three different versions. She had Trina and Ludacris, Ludacris and Jay. So it's like even when she she had the same song on her own, but she said, "Let me get a different version for it, with each person on it." So as far as you, who would you pick for your king and queen? Um, king of the remix, like. I like I said, I have to say Puff, but yeah. it's hard to say Puff because what has he produced? Like I just need to know. Yeah. Um, Queen of the Remix, it's my girl Mary. Mary. Like Mary's yeah, remixes, yeah. but then it's That's also true. tied into Puff because most of them were Puff. Were, but even they, the yeah. ones after Puff, like the, all the ones from '97 through 2003, like there were some great remixes she had that he had nothing to do with. That's true. So, yeah, I I think she is the queen of the remix. I think that. Puff, or I, mm, I'm i t- scared to put Pharrell's name in there and be like, Pharrell does some nice remixes because none really like stand out, stand out, but I know he's, yeah. he's, I'll done put a JD over, I'll, I'll put JD over, uh, yeah. over, um, JD. Pharrell. Yeah. As JD. far as, yeah, I would say, um, 
Right after Mary, I would actually say Mariah too. I forgot Mariah had the yeah. fantasy and the heartbreak. Without yeah. remixes, her career yeah. would not be the career of the girl that debuted. Like the girl yeah. that debuted still would have been huge. But That's those true. remixes, they gave Mariah like two black cards. Like she ain't got one. <laughs> now true. she got two. It was like, oh, yeah. you going oh you got ODB on your remix? ODB. Oh, okay. You got Mason on him now. Yeah. So that's what it is. So salute to all the artists and producers who specialize in those remixes. That's the area that I would love to see come back. If not, we can just enjoy the ones that we had. So we're going to go ahead and move into our final segment. So it is that time. It is that time. Let me get some some bells, some buzzes, some whatever it is. Let me get some sound effects. It's called Beat Match. Our last battle was um, basically me picking Doggy Style, EB picking Ready to Die. And our producers, Melissa and the lady, are always going to be the judges on here. And you all help us judge along with the, you know, with the hashtag of Behind the Wheels Pod. Last time we had a draw. I think it was a very even matchup. This one might be about the same. So we're going to do a producer battle this time. So one battle that we always hear debated, especially because of Jay-Z and because of the uh, Blueprint especially, is about Kanye and Just Blaze. And with that, of course, Kanye is a much bigger figure in hip-hop. He's... A much bigger even producer, I would say, even outside of just being a rapper. But for me personally, I've always preferred Just Blaze. And I think that's who I would have to side with. I mean, who, who would you roll with if you had to pick? It's a lot closer than a lot of people would think. But it, I Kanye has a slight edge. Like, I love okay. Just, love his work, but Kanye has a slight edge. So I'm going to have to go with Kanye. Okay, okay. We're going to see where it goes. So... So the way that we do this is that each of us get three minutes to discuss our sides. We have our rebuttals. And then our producers, a.k.a. our judges, will decide and give the final verdict on it. So, EB, I will let you go ahead and speak your piece on why you feel Kanye is the superior producer. Like I said, it's extremely, extremely close. But Hmm. Kanye, not only is he like a superstar rapper, but his productions for not just hip-hop, not just R&B, not just pop, but, I mean, now he's added gospel to his resume of production works. I think he has kind of built careers. Like, he is, a lot of artists, had they not worked with Kanye West, like, they would not be as big as they are right now. A lot of the songs that he's done have been... I think they become signature songs for a lot of these artists. Like, they're just, like, mega hits. Like, he did uh, Jay-Z's Izzo. He did the Bonnie and Clyde for Beyonce and Jay. Talib Kweli's Get By. Monica's Knock Knock, which I know everybody loves. So Gone, So Gone is high, but Knock Knock is the better song. Mm. Um, Through the Wire. I mean, not only did you produce this song, it's like an autobiographical song. It's an amazing song. But to do so and have Shaka Khan the queen Shaka Khan come and actually sing it with you is kind of big. Like a lot of people are not doing that. You know, Kanye's worked with Madonna, you know, he's worked with Maroon five and then he's turned around and he's worked with Mary and he's worked with Jay-Z and Monica. Like he is one of those people who is so diverse in what he can do in terms of his production that I think he's unstoppable. Now his mentor, uh, no ID they did great work together, but I, I think there comes a point when the mentee surpasses the mentor. 
And that is how I, that is why I think Kanye should win the beat match because not only did you have this amazing mentor and y'all were doing amazing work together, but you learned so much from him or you were so inspired, whatever the case is, that you went and now you are internationally known, even without all the extra that comes with Kanye. Huh. The one thing I cannot take away from him is his music. I can't take away any of his productions. Like the work he did with Janet Jackson, the work he did with Keisha Cole, the work he did even his work like his own albums and i know we're not talking about him as an artist so i'm not talking about that but the production on his albums always top tier his features are always amazing and i think it takes somebody special to be able to remix or mix a song for madonna and then turn around and do the same thing for common and it not sound like the same production like you don't know my name sounds nothing like Izzo. Bonnie and Clyde 03 sounds nothing like Heartless, like the 808 and Heartbeats album. Like, like his sound is so diverse. I don't think Just has that. I think he's close, but I don't think he has as diverse of a sound as Kanye has in terms of production. I think when you hear a Just Blaze production, you kind of know. You're like, oh, that's Just Blaze. That's just what it is. When you hear a Kanye production, there may be elements that you pick up on, but you you will have to like confirm: is this Kanye? Oh, who is this? This is Kanye. This sounds nothing like other work that I've heard him do. I hear you. I hear you. Okay, okay. So I definitely get a lot of what you're saying. I feel like Kanye is definitely more accomplished, and he's done a wider variety. For me personally, I just think just has made better, stronger productions. I feel like. Like, Just has made some anthems. So, I mean, the thing is, when, when Just came in the game, he came in 99, 2000. But by the time he gets to 2001, so let's talk about Blueprint. You do mention uh, Ace to the Izzo. That was a breakout single. I remember we were hyped when we watched it on BT Awards the first time we saw it. But then you get the album, and it's like, the more you hear it, it was like, this is okay, it's cute. But the songs that stand out on Blueprint, which is one of the biggest albums ever, probably Jay-Z's best, song crying, you don't know. That's just Blaze. I mean, turn my music high. As soon as you hear those horns come in, it's like, that's just a different element. And then Song Cry is like, when you say that his songs sound similar, they might all be soulful, but they still sound different because you don't know gives you a totally different feeling from Song Cry. Song Cry, the way he takes that sample, it's so crazy because, of course, I'm young. I, I'm young old. So on my young, my, my young side, I didn't realize that that's the actual guy singing it. I thought that was a girl because of how high-pitched it is. Like, just mm. made that... Vocal sounds so high pitched that it sounds like a woman singing, but that's a guy with a low voice. He pitched it up that high and just made a cold beat, the drums he put on top of that. So to me, Just was a star of uh, Blueprint over Kanye because those songs stand out the most. And I think Just has a lot more speeds he can go, and he's a better club producer by far. You have what we mentioned earlier, that Burning Up remix with Faith. You have Rock the Mic. Rock the Mic is just a Philly anthem. I, I play that song almost every time I'm doing a bar because that song just, I love scratching it. You have flip sides. You have, um, I mean, before I even get to Freeway's album, like you have Joe Budden, Pump It Up. That song might be cliche at this point. We might not like Joe Budden at this point. But if you're watching You Got Served, if you used to you used to um, dance back in the day, you're going you're gonna to get up for that one. You, you're going to start crumping to it, you know. You're going to get hyped to it. So as far as it comes to uh, Freeway's album, that album is, I would say, slept on because he made some bangers on there. He had, of course, 
he had Flipside. I mean, the whole thing starts off with Freeze. It's that free sample. But then you have What We Do. I mean, if you've seen the, uh, the clip from the Sixers game and they're in the crowd, like, that's one song. If you're not from Philly, you love it. If you are from Philly, that's your favorite song in history because it's just so, it gets you so hype. And then you also had uh, All Right, where he took the same bass line that they used on um, Electric, Electric Relaxation. And Anthony uh, Allen, he used it for his own song as well. But Freeway had that version on there. And that's just a real cold, smooth groove that sounds nothing like everything else just does. And then you had Line Em Up. Line Em Up is one of those songs that if you haven't heard it in a while, you just know it's a crazy sample from some old 70s. It's not sample. And that's one thing that I give him the advantage over Kanye is that most Kanye stuff that we love is sampled or derived directly from somewhere else. Line Em Up just sounds like it's a straight old groove with some crazy drums, but that's all acoustics. So he had that. But in that same era, everything he did for Dipset, the the old boy, I mean, for him to flip that I'm going down, I mean, that's that was brilliant. So that's just how I feel about Judge Blaze. I think his songs just stand out so much more than Kanye's. I wouldn't say that he never uses samples, but I will say that Kanye is more known than just for using samples, but the way he uses them is so masterful that you're doing two things. You're introducing a new generation to old classics, but at the same time, you got somebody who was in their 50s and in their 60s now paying attention to the music going on today because of the way you can marry the samples from the old artists with these new artists out there. So I give Kanye credit for that because a lot of people can't do that. A lot of people would fail miserably. It would sound gimmicky or it would sound like you're trying too hard. Uh, Kanye did Beyonce's party. Uh, no matter which version you like it, whether it's Andre 3000 <laughs> or that other one. Oh, uh, who? Yeah. yeah, oh, no, that one. <laughs> Whatever you version you like, he did that. He did all of the lights, Rihanna. Like, he did N-Words in Paris. He did no, Run This Town. Hey, nah, listen. Nah, that's Kanye. He did N-Words right. in Paris. Come on now. Uh, yeah, he did yeah. Flashing Lights. And yeah. Flashing Lights, the production on Flashing Lights is one of the most amazing like he didn't make her say he did John let John legends heaven John legends first I, when I used to love you like that sound that Kanye gave us like what I said what I said earlier about him being able to craft these custom sounds for artists and like actually give them a shot because if it wasn't for his sound like with Keisha Cole Keisha was cool when she came out like worldwide but when that I changed my mind when when that when that starts and that comes in, then you're like, oh, I'm gonna pay attention to this girl. She may be around for a while, and that doesn't happen without Kanye. I totally get that. I mean, you mentioned Party, which was a banger, but I mean, you have Freedom. You can't tell me Freedom wasn't one of the the, the best, especially hearing that live, seeing that live at the BET Awards that one year. Freedom comes in so cold, and I mean, the same way that Kanye takes those samples and gives new life and brings those to life. I mean, brings those to a new audience. The same way to me uh, with, with a lot of music that um that Just does. I mean, Kanye went to Just for a single with Touch the Sky. And Touch the Sky, he took a classic 70s and made that fire. I mean, he 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 did the, the Lord Knows for Drake. Like, he has a lot, of, a lot of recent songs that you love, too. The Exhibit C, J Electronica. That made people wait 12 years for an album. Like, that was the most anticipated album for a whole decade off of one song. And that's primarily because of Just Blaze's beat. Because Jay was speaking on it. He had some bars, but 
it's that beat that's just so hypnotic. And then he had, I mean, you talk about taking some classic songs. Uh, he took he took the old school on Throwback for Usher. He made a, a throwback song, Sound Modern, and called it Throwback, ironically. So he had that. And then I would say he he was a little bit more diverse within rap. He, he would give something to Memph Bleak like Round Here. That had a straight down south feel to it, but it still, it didn't feel forced. It wasn't like he was trying to make a Lil John crunk beat. It just had that down south bounce to it, but it still had the East Coast soul. But then he would flip it, and he gave Kendrick and Game their own songs called Compton. And they both sound different, but they were both, they fit the vibe of what the West Coast is, but they were still, they still had Just Blaze touch to it. And as far as the way he flips stuff, I mean, who else could flip a live concert song like TLC Digging on You remix live and turn that into Hobie Baby? Like when I heard the, because I heard Hobie Baby and I knew it was his fire. Then I heard where he got it from. I'm like, he got this from a live performance. He sampled that TLC and made that into an anthem on its own with Jay-Z. And speaking of anthems with Jay-Z, allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Hove. When you hear that come in, I mean, who doesn't know that? Who doesn't love that intro? I mean, you got to rock with it. Just as great. <laughs> he is great. <laughs> I promise you. He's great. <laughs> but Kanye did Janet's I Want You. That was the first time I heard Janet Jackson actually, like, project and sing. <laughs> like, it was the first time that I could actually hear the lyrics and that's because Kanye was in the studio like, nah, you got to sing. He did Slow Jams. He did Overnight yeah. Celebrity. He did Drake's Find Your Love. Like, he, his songs stay on the charts forever. And without him even having to be, he doesn't have to be attached to the song. I think that's, like, part of his duality is that, yeah, he can produce, but he's also a rapper. So if you do need a rapper on it, I'm right here in the studio. Put me on it. But... He doesn't have to do that for everybody. And those songs kind of take off and do their own thing. He did Jesus Walks. Like, which, from a production standpoint, it reminds me so much of something like Easy Mo B would have did because it's so simple, but it's so amazing. Like, when you take, you know, just these couple of notes, this cut, this basic beat, and you make something great with, out of nothing. And that's what Kanye West does. Like, he makes things great. He makes nothing great. I totally respect it. I mean, some of those songs you mentioned, I do love playing and listening to, but I still just connected a lot more with those Just songs. I feel like even when it comes to the, to the emotion that that's coming from these Just songs, like even Dear Summer, like everybody remembers when, when Dear Summer came out and just hearing Jay on there and just like getting caught up in that beat. Like Just has a, has a gift of, I feel like Kanye... A lot of his songs can be, like, both of them obviously sample, but I feel like Just has been even craftier with some some of his samples where they're not as blatant than he has some where there are just a straight loop. Like, their summer is just a loop, but it's like the fact that he found that, that's like a DJ ear that he had with that one. So I, I give him a lot of props for that. But then on the flip side of that, he'll give you a Can't Let You Go from Fabulous, which was no samples at all. It was just a straight, like, off the top. Like, that was straight up, um, yeah. If you hear that one, it's no sample. Okay. It's just the live guitar. It's the... The drums are on point. And then he also, when it does come to samples, he'll take stuff like whatever they sample for uh, Live Your Life. That was some, I don't know if that was like a classical song, whatever he did for that T.I. and Rihanna. And that was just a, a, a stadium anthem. That's one of those songs where T.I. said, all right, I'm done with the I trap. I think your let time me, is let up, me take it up. Time is up. Time is up. So I think that's about it um, for, for our, our argument. But. Yeah, I feel like it can go either way, but I'm rocking with Just. EB is rocking with Kanye. Rocking At this Kanye. time, I will give it to our producers, Miss um, 
my lady and Melissa, I will let you all debate, put on some Jeopardy music or something, and yeah, we'll <laughs> see what they decide. These were some really good arguments and uh, uh, great evidence to back it up, I will say. Um, when I think of the two producers, I definitely already have like an emotion tied and like a visual and obviously a concert. So, um, and I don't know if y'all know, maybe Ron knows, but he should know. My top two artists are Jay Common and both of Just Blaze and Kanye have just like created their classics for me. So every time I think about it, I'm like, and I've seen both of them over 10 times and I will continue to. And every time I hear like it, there's just too many anthem songs with Just Blaze, too many. And definitely being from Philly is just too many. Um, the energy he brings is just crazy. And then Kanye's are just so unique and memorable that I was like, okay, now I can't do this again. So I can't, cause it's like confident B in my head. And then I'm like, Just Blaze with like a whole run from high school and college with Jay that I, y'all did a great job. I, I can't. It's a tie for me. Once again. All right. All right. So on to Melissa. Let's see what she has to say. I mean, I was coming into this already with um, some negativity in my head (laughs) on one of the people. (laughs) Just because, I mean, they might have suggested that slavery was a choice. I get it. Right. Um, But I, I, you know. But your vote is not a choice. <laughs> wow. But I was, you know, taking that personal uh those personal thoughts away from that um because I do really really enjoy his music um and so at one point one person was very much ahead but then some more things were dropped about the other one and I hate and I really I'm with Nalady like I love Jay-Z as well but I hate to say this that I think Kanye got it. <laughs> I mean that's Listen, I did have to say <laughs> that regardless of all the other mm-hmm. Kanye stuff, I want to talk just about his production because yes. I would have been yeah. right there with you. Mm-hmm. Same. I get it. I get it. Terrible I mean, person. I'm not mad at it. I mean, the more that you were saying, I was like, yeah, like Kanye does have a wide range and even having the gospel album that's just that's just one. So it Kanye has definitely reached higher heights, but you know, it's I feel like it can still go either way, but I think it can go either yeah, way. Yeah, but once again, audience, y'all let us know. Hashtag behind the wheels pod. Let us know who you prefer, who you used to prefer, if you prefer someone different now. Whatever it is, and if you have any ideas or suggestions for the drop segment or for our next beat match, make sure that you hit us up and let us know the same way. Also, send us an email if you have any anyone that you suggest for the uh, beat match or for the drop. Send us an email to behindthewheelspod at gmail.com. So uh, I think that's about it for this episode. Thank you for listening to episode number 11. Make sure you follow us on Instagram. I am at DJRTISTIC. EB, um, where can they find you at? Uh, EB for Prez. EB, the number four, and then Prez is P-R-E-Z as in zebra.
that's what it is. And that's that's also on Twitter. And we're always on Twitter going back and forth. So always. You might catch us in, in some debates. Me and E B agree like ninety five percent of the time and when it's that five percent <laughs> Are we bumping Listen, heads that, with it? But so, that is why these beat <laughs> matches are so hard because we do agree a lot. When we're running ideas across to each other, we're yeah. always like, nah, I think the same. So, listen, yeah. y'all, give us some suggestions. Email us, tag us, tweet us, whatever you got to do. Let us know who we should be doing. Yeah, seriously, because whenever we, we – we might list out 10 different artists, producers, and it's always like we're almost the same every single time. So – I mean, as it shows, we're in sync with that, so I'm not mad at it. But, yeah, if anybody has any ideas, suggestions, as long as it makes sense. Don't give us no nonsense. Right. Don't, don't feel come like, over here with Sierra yeah. versus Mahalia Jackson. <laughs> we ain't going to do it. We don't want to hear it. It don't make sense. Give I, us things that make sense. It's funny because I have a friend who would do that, too. I have a friend see, who would say Yolanda Adams versus City Girls. So, see. Yeah. <laughs> I know somebody who would do that and say, who makes, who makes you drop it lower for Jesus? So none of that. None of that this time. So. Whatever ideas y'all have, make sure you get that to us. Also, make sure you rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And also check out that official playlist we have. It's on Spotify. The link is actually in the notes of the show. So we appreciate y'all for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Artistic signing out. I'm EB, and I am done. We out of here. See y'all next time. Behind the Wheels is produced by Melissa D. Munts and the lady Yahuma Seth. Edited by Melissa D. Munts, and the music is provided by Epidemic Sound.